Hello and welcome to the Bucks Banter Podcast. I am your host, Colin Hallboom, and I'm excited to be here talking Tampa Bay Buccaneers football as we will be doing all year round here at Bucks Banter. I'm not going to do a do a long podcast today. I just want to cover some of the potential options that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will have with their first pick in Thursday's draft. It's Monday, so we're just a few days away. Uh, as I've I've written about and talked about, I actually have an article up on BucksBanter.ca that outlines some of the realistic options that Jason Light and the Buccaneers front office will be will will have in front of them uh, come Thursday's draft. So, without further ado, I just want to kind of get into what type of players they might be looking at, and I think it's important to preface that with the fact that. As everyone who's watching this knows, the Buccaneers have brought back all 22 starters from their Super Bowl winning team last year. So the chances, sorry, I should say the the need to address a certain position is non-existent. And that's extremely rare in this day and age. I think they're the they're the first defending champion to return every single starter in the like Super Bowl era or something ridiculous. So I'd have to fact check that one. But Anyway, so they have tons of options and all, all the time, you know, GMs and executives like to claim that, you know, we're going to we're going to stick with the best player available. But in reality, I think it's pretty obvious that often teams are kind of handcuffed by what, what their needs are. Uh, and thankfully, the Bucks don't they genuinely find themselves in that position where they can address uh, any any area of their roster and really focus on taking the best player, or the highest player rated on their board. So that's a great advantageous position for them to be in. Gives them lots of options. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go through some of the positions that they could potentially address with the 32nd pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. Um, so first of all, let's talk about let's talk about uh, wide receiver. So obviously Antonio Brown remains unsigned. He's an unrestricted free agent currently. It doesn't seem like. The Bucks, Jason Light, are feeling very much pressure at all, nor should they, in terms of retaining Brown services. I'm, I think they're probably – I know they've been trying to. Uh, they've been in conversations with Brown's team. Uh, with that being said, there doesn't appear to be any progress being made, which has to tell you they're, they're pretty far apart in terms of that number. Thankfully, uh, this is a, a really strong draft for wide receiver outside of the top three players. So – I mean, in my opinion, and I think most people's, the top three three uh, receivers in this draft, Jalen Waddell, uh, Devontae Freeman, and sorry, Devontae Smith, and uh, Jamar Chase. And I think Chase is, according to most experts, uh, the number one player in the draft at the wide receiver position. I totally agree with that. I think Jamar Chase is unreal. I think people forget how dominant he was. Let's not forget the during LSU's title run with, with Joe Burrow and Ed Orgeron and that whole squad that Justin Jefferson was on that team at receiver as well. So, yeah, sure, they were stacked. Okay, but Jamar Chase was their best receiver by far. And look at the year Justin Jefferson put together as a rookie for the Minnesota Vikings. So that just kind of gives you a glimpse of just how talented Jamar Chase is. Um, but I don't want to spend too much time talking about all the top prospects um, because the Bucks are picking at 32. They're in the, they're in that position as defending champs. So there is no chance in hell any one of those three receivers is going to be available. I don't think they make it out of the first 15 picks. 
uh, but we will see. In terms of some players I think could come in and help the Buccaneers right away and, and just would be great to have some weapons at the receiver position locked up on a rookie deal. Who knows? Godwin's going to be unrestricted next year. Um, of course, of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge the presence of Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller. Those guys are have been showed a ton of promise. Scotty Miller, especially given a little more opportunity. Um and Tyler Johnson had some huge catches in the postseason as well. And he's someone that that Bruce Arians and Byron Lefwich and the rest of that Buccaneer coaching staff is very fond of uh, and, and with good reason. Um, that being said, if AB doesn't come back, I think having a, a stockpile of talented wideouts is never an issue. Uh, so the first guy I want to spotlight here is Kadarius Tony out of Florida. Uh, Tony's not the hugest type of player. He, Sorry, he's not the biggest guy. He's around six foot, but he is an absolute burner. Uh, first team all SEC receiver. He racked up 70, 70 receptions, 984 yards, and 10 touchdowns this past season. I love his game. I see his skills translating really well to the next level. Um, just an absolute lightning bolt with the ball, yards after the catch, an electrifying player. I'm sure many of you have seen plenty of uh, Kadarius Tony. You know, the Bucks being in Florida, lots of Gator fans hopefully are listening to this. Um, and I think the combination of him and Pitts was lethal and likely elevated Kyle Trask's um, status even entering this draft. I think now that that uh, GMs and executives and even just media analysts alike have had the chance to kind of break him down, I think he's – I mean, there was a point during the, during the NCAA season where he was considered a first-rounder for sure just because of the production. But – what I'm getting at is I think that the majority of that production was more a result of having players as skilled as Kadarius Tony and Kyle Pitts. Um, so anyway, he could come in, he could play the slot, he could play out wide. You can hand him the ball. He took a ton of handouts. Tony was actually a, a high school quarterback, played a bit of quarterback um, in college even. And uh, he's a really fun player, incredibly elusive and uh, just a, a legitimate threat to score a touchdown at any moment. It's the type of guy I, I would love to see in pewter and red. And if he's there at 32, which I don't necessarily see as a likely scenario, but if he is there, he's someone I'd be, I'd be very excited about. Tony is definitely my number four receiver behind the aforementioned uh, Jamar Chase, uh, Jalen Waddle, and Devontae Smith. Uh, another guy who's been mocked to the Bucks quite frequently is Elijah Moore out of Mississippi. Um, he's smaller than Tony, but every bit is he's faster and every bit as electrifying with the ball. Um, he, he, he was incredibly productive as well. He, you know, he had 86 receptions and just under 1200 receiving yards to go with his eight touchdowns on the year. So, uh, for Ole Miss. So let's compare if it wasn't for Devonte Smith, uh, Elijah Moore, is hands down the most productive wide receiver in receptions and yards second in both those categories. So um, clearly an incredibly productive player. He averaged 150 yards per game and he was a first team all American. So he's not short of, of uh, accolades after this past season, a little bit undersized, but again, similar to Tony's profile and that he's kind of like that gadget receiver. And I think Byron Lefwich and, Bruce Arians with his offensive um, resume would love to get their hands on, on players like these two, either one of them, if they were to be there at 32 
Um, but again, that's just my opinion, because if we look at Jason Light's history, he prefers bigger receivers, right? I mean, aside from Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson, Godwin, Evans, those are all big receivers. So there are some other options, and, and it's totally possible that, you know, they have someone like Terrace Marshall Jr. out of LSU higher on their board, or Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. Um, another smaller guy I like is Rondell Moore out of Purdue. He is a incredible athlete. His testing scores are off the charts. Um, but yeah, between Moore, both Moores, Rondell Moore, Elijah Moore, Kadarius Tony, these are sub four four guys, so absolute burners. Whereas Rashad Bateman, Terrace Marshall Jr., those are more like I don't want to call them possession receivers, but they're a little more of your prototypical wide receiver build and style of play. So that's five players right there. If the Bucks were to go wide receiver, who I think have a good chance between the five of them, um, a couple of them being available at 32, whether or not um, that's of interest, Jason Light and his staff, we don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, I'm going to stick with the skill positions at the moment and just address running back. Um, you may be a lot of people probably wondering, like, saying there's no chance the Bucks draft a running back. Tampa just signed Giovanni Bernard, which is a great signing, by the way. I can't imagine any Bucks fan or follower of the team who wouldn't be ecstatic about bringing in Bernard. Uh, love Rojo. Love, love playoff Lenny, Leonard Fournette. Uh, but they are totally like ground and pound running backs. Whereas, and, and Fournette did a, a very admirable job in the postseason of, of stepping up and he caught enough balls to get the job done. But anyone who's watched, you know, the Bucks games all season leading up to that, those two are both far from adequate as receivers out of the backfield. And I mean, we all know Tom Brady loves that. He, he loves a dump down, third down back, someone with hands. So Giovanni Bernard will step in and fill that role beautifully. It's a, it's a wonderful tandem they have. That being said, all three of those running backs are free agents after this season. So is it really that far-fetched? Let's say a Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, or Najee Harris is available at 32. I definitely think one of those three would be available, but there's a good chance two of them go in the first before the Bucks pick. But it's not that unbelievable to think, you know, you could invest in the future. You're going to have a, a back for four, potentially five years uh, moving forward. Who you could, And you could even use them this year. So those three three running backs I mentioned, I mean, Travis Etienne is my favorite. I'm a bit of a sucker for the flashiness he offers, the, the big play potential. Um, his, uh, his 40 time was only four in the four fours. But I swear, like... He's faster than that. His game speed is way faster than that. Uh, he flies. He is a he is a threat to take it to the house any single time. And and again, I'm kind of just perusing cruising, perusing through uh, the article that I've written up at BucksBanter.ca. So if you want to, feel free to head over there and check it out. But where I go into more detail about each of these players. Um, but as I'm just scrolling through here, I'm just picking up on some of the stuff I'd written down. So. Uh, in terms of Etienne's production, um, he's the all-time rushing leader in the ACC. Um, 46 total games with a touchdown in his college career, which is most in, in college football history. Uh, he accounted for 70 rushing touchdowns over the course of his career at Clemson. Um, but again, it's not 
just his production. It's just that threat of, of a home run anytime. Like I could see him, um, some have compared him to like Reggie Bush. Like, yeah, he's that kind of exciting player. He's a one cut and go type of guy. He's not going to dance around. He's going to make one hard cut and just smash the hole. And if he gets through good night. And so um, I would love e Travis Etienne. I would also love to, if Najee Harris somehow slipped, but again, I expect Etienne and Harris to be gobbled up in the first round as we've gotten closer to draft day. Um, most people believe that those two will be taken. I think the Jets at 23, Steelers at 24, you got the potential for those two to go back to back. I could even see the Dolphins. I believe their second pick is 16th overall. I could see them, you know, picking up one of these guys just to have that. Um, Najee Harris is like a, a pure three down back, just an absolute stud. Doak Walker Award winner, nation's best running back this past season. Uh, he set all-time touchdown records at Bama, uh, total touchdowns 57, as well as the all-time rushing yards, just 250 yards under 4,000 and 46 rushing touchdowns. So when you're setting those kind of records in those categories as a running back at the University of Alabama, um, you're doing something right. So uh, also important caveat to note is – he accomplished that without starting a game in his first two seasons. So yeah, he played four. Technically, he's he's coming out as a senior after he returned, as did Etienne this past year unexpectedly. But he, like, just think about that kind of production. Um, only playing two seasons with the ball in his hand, it's really incredible. He's a tough, hard nosed runner. Always finishes runs, um, and he really improved as a pass catcher, as a receiver and a route runner for that matter. Uh, he had 43 receptions for 425 yards and four touchdowns, so serviceable. Etienne's a better receiver. Um, but again, as since I've written this article, and as I'm, we're getting closer here, I, I don't expect either one of those guys to be available, to be honest. I think they're going to go 1-2 one, one, in terms of running backs in the draft. Uh, I would assume Najee Harris will go first, then Travis Etienne. Javante Williams out of North Carolina, I know that Thor Nystrom, not for Yahoo, he's with Yahoo now. He does a great job, does like a top 500 prospects article. I just saw that uh, he has Javante Williams number one, uh, compares him to Nick Chubb. So who knows, right? It all depends how these, how these personnel executives value these running backs according to their grades. And maybe Javante Williams goes first. I mean, crazier things have happened. But Javante Williams, I mean, for three running backs to go before the Bucks pick in the first round is unlikely just with the trend of, you know, running backs and, and the value of the running back. I mean, look how much it's changed over the last five years. It's become completely undervalued. Most teams want to just ride a guy off his, off his rookie deal, and then they're willing to move on just because of the pounding that these running backs take. So uh, Javante Williams would be – Another option that I know a lot of people in Bucks Nation would be excited about. Um, again, that's if a running back is something that uh, you're not opposed to. In terms of the secondary, our secondary has uh, showed a ton of promise, especially the second half of last season and all through the playoffs. Super impressive group. In, in terms of the safety position, you know, Jordan Whitehead, Mike Edwards, and of course, Antoine Winfield Jr., I mean, I love that trio of safeties, so I don't really see us going with a safety. Um, 
But in terms of cornerback, I mean, Carlton Davis is going to be due for a new deal. And if he plays anything like he has this past season, he's going to be due for a big deal. He's going to command a lot of money. You never know. I would love, I would hate to see Carlton Davis leave Tampa, but um, we shall see. And I, and we've heard Jason Light and uh, Todd Bowles previous years, especially when they drafted all these all these corners um, within the last three years. We've heard them say you can never have enough corners. You can never have enough corners. I've heard it a bunch of times. So who knows? Maybe maybe that someone like Asante Samuel Jr. out of Florida State, um, small guy, five ten, which again does not fit the profile that uh, Jason Light has has shown in the past in terms of what he favors he likes long corners long fast corners uh, but Samuel is totally a first round talent and he's a, he's a little bulldog and he's a ball hawk and he's got all the instincts of course his father was a four-time pro bowler in the NFL and a Super Bowl winner so if Asante Samuel Jr is available i mean that's that's intriguing he had three picks in only eight games this past season uh, a little too aggressive at times with his hands when he's engaged with receivers and I think could draw a lot of flags at the next level. But shit, like a good cornerback is going to get flagged here and there, right? You'd rather them be aggressive than be too soft, like a cough, cough, Vernon Hargraves or something like that where he's playing 20 yards off the line. Um, another guy out of Northwestern, Greg Newsom, the second. Um, Compared to Samuel, Newsom was less productive. He missed a lot of games. He had some injury concerns. Um, however, he fits the physical profile that Jason Light uh, tends to favor. So he's six six foot one ninety. Uh, he ran a four three eight in the forty. Samuel ran a four four five. So Newsom's bigger. He's faster, and and those are definitely some of the traits that uh, the Bucks have have leaned towards in the past. He's a really well rounded player. So I wouldn't say that. Uh, Newsom is an absolute star in any one area. Um, didn't have any picks last year, uh, but he did have he did have a bunch of pass breakups. But he's really technically sound and capable in every area. And I think with a, when we're talking DBs and corners, especially, um, that's the type of player that you like to have at that position. I can I compare it to Brandon Roy in basketball. He was always, you know, what, what is it, jack of all trades, master of none. He's that type of player. So, um, and he, and he certainly has a high ceiling again, a lot of mocks though, have Newsom getting scooped up in the, in the twenties somewhere, but, uh, there's totally a chance he could be available. It looks like Asante Samuel jr. Will be available. If anyone's mock drafts have any semblance of, um, real information behind them, who knows? Uh, but that, that's just something to keep note of another guy, Caleb Fairley out of Virginia tech, Farley, Fairley. Let's call him Caleb Farley in honor of Chris Farley. We'll just pronounce his name that way. Uh, super talented, really, really talented player. But he recently had back surgery. So he and he and he uh, I can't recall if he opted out or his injury forced him to miss this past season. I think it was an opt out. But anyway, um, he is a super talented cornerback. And, and we'll see what the medicals say when these teams have get their hands on him, But if he were to slip, that'd be fantastic. I didn't write very much about Caleb Farley just because I don't expect him to be there. Um, and then another guy is Eric Stokes out of Georgia. He ran a blazing 40 time in the four twos, I think. Um, yeah, 
probably more likely to be a second round talent, but I figured I would throw him into the mix as a potential option for the Bucks. So to summarize, Eric Stokes, Caleb Farley, Greg Newsom, and Asante Samuel are four corners who I could see potentially at least one, two, couple of them, maybe all of them, being available at 32 for the Bucks. Now, in terms of the defensive line prospects in this 2021 NFL draft, um, they are the it is an unimpressive group. It is a very underwhelming group. Jason Light said as much in his most recent in his most recent press conference. Um, and, and that's been a pretty unanimous uh, stance. But to hear hear general manager come out and and critique an entire positional group um, is, is in my opinion, that's saying something. Uh, so the thing is, the Bucks. if there was a position that they needed most, it would be edge rusher, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I think Jason Pierre-Paul, he was banged up. He was barely practicing all last year. I think he got, got his knee cleaned out a bit, and he's been a warrior. He's been fantastic. Uh, we obviously just re-signed Shaq Barrett, which is wicked. Um, however... Similar to corner, you can't have enough. And uh, to have have a rookie come in with a lot of talent and be a rotational piece um, and then potentially someone who you can coach up, who knows what they could become. So I think some of these like ultra-athletic, unproven defensive ends could potentially be in play for the Bucks at the end of the first round. Um, Jason Owe out of Penn State, he uh, similar to Newsom in the sense that he didn't, he didn't have any sacks this past year. Uh, he only played seven games. COVID obviously obviously screwed things up, uh, but he is an animal. He is a beast. 6'5", 260, jumped uh, hair under 40 inches in his vertical testing. And get this, he ran a 4'36", 40-yard dash, which is utterly ridiculous. Um, so bit of a project, all the physical gifts in the world underwhelming production uh but that's a guy who who would be fun to mold and and you got to think that playing learning from from the bucks d linemen especially their edge rushers shaq barrett and jpp could go a long way towards aiding uh, that player's development and the same would the same scenario would be in play for for joe tryon out of washington he's another opt-out guy due to covid he uh so he's declaring he's declaring for the draft as a junior so he really only has two seasons under his belt playing at Washington. Um, but he was very productive as a sophomore. Um, eight sacks, 12 and a half tackles for loss in 13 games played. Second team all pack 12. Um, and again, great size, 6'5", 260. He ran a 4.64, which is also incredibly fast. Jumped 35 inches. So, I mean, he's a hair below... Away, if you consider the physical testing and 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 size, but he's right up there with a little more production in his last season from a statistical perspective. So another versatile prospect, same deal, same deal. Those two can really be grouped together. All depends who uh, who Jason Light and his staff like more. Gregory Russo out of Miami, uh, he also opted out. He's really been sliding in uh, a lot of drafts and. Uh, I'm not sure why, you know, these opt-outs seem to potentially be hurting guys. But um, he's certainly no Jalen Phillips, the other edge from Miami, who I don't expect to be available. 
And then uh, the other guy I did not profile is Aziz Ojolari, who's an edge rusher out of Georgia, uh, 6'3", 240. Hell of a player. If Aziz Ojolari was available um, at 32, I don't think the I think the Bucks would run run to the table or the phone and call that pick in because he'd be phenomenal. I just don't see him being there. And the last uh, positional group that I think could potentially be in play for the Buccaneers with the 32nd pick is an interior offensive lineman. Um, I can't see him touching a tackle. Uh, they just re signed Donovan Smith, who is a player who has proven to be so much more uh, consistent of late and I think showing some real promise. And he's incredibly durable. He never misses games. So I'm good with the Donovan Smith move. I got some buddies who, who one buddy in particular, is not really a fan, but I'm past that point. I'm willing to move, move beyond uh, criticizing Donovan Smith. I was really pleased with how he played last season, especially throughout the playoffs. He handled some serious pass rushers, shut down Chase Young. Uh, but again, we're talking draft, so I got to stay focused, not talk too much about our current team. Um, but the reason I do think an interior offensive lineman is in play is Alex Kappa and Ryan Jensen are both set to become free agents. So Alex Kappa, of course, the right guard, uh, his, his rookie deal is coming to an end. He, he missed the playoffs last year with a broken leg. And uh, Aaron Stinney, guy off like the practice squad, had never even started an NFL game came in for the playoffs and filled in quite admirably, admirably. Um, and then uh, the Bucks' beloved center, Ryan Jensen, I'm hopeful we can bring him back. That's for sure. Because he brings a mean edge to this team. And uh, it, it's just so nice to have an offensive line as a Bucks fan that you have confidence in. And, and that was the most refreshing thing. It, 25 years as, as a fan of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I've never felt so good about our, our offensive line. And what do you know? We go ahead and win the Super Bowl. So just speaks to the importance of the trenches. And uh, anyway, when so Kappa going down, you know, we, we also signed Aaron Stenny, the one who filled in for Kappa. So that's nice, but I just don't see him as a starter long term. So I, I've, I imagine we're going to have trouble re-signing Alex Kappa. Uh, I'm that's something that Scott Reynolds and John Ladier have talked about at length um, at the Pewter Report. If you haven't listened to our Pewter Nation podcast, pardon me, Pewter Report, um, that's something you should check out. Those guys do great work. Um, anyway, Landon Dickerson from Alabama. He is a uh, he's a bit of a beast. Uh, he was playing at Bama. He missed the 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 college football playoff. Unfortunately, he tore up his knee and he's dealt with some injuries. He was initially a tackle, a highly rated tackle who committed to Florida state, but um, transferred after an injury, went to Bama, Saban pushed him inside uh, where he was initially a guard his first year at Bama. And, and then they switched him over to center and he was the best center in this, in the country this past, past season, uh, team captain and just the versatility of being able to play guard or center is huge. Um, so he was an All-American, won the Remington Trophy, given to the best center in the country. Similar to Ryan Jensen, he has a bit of that mean streak. And um, he's a guy who just kind of fits that makeup that Jason Light loves in his offensive lineman. Um, he's a, a vocal leader. He's mean on the field. And I think if Landon Dickerson is there at 32, he's really the only interior offensive lineman I would consider who I think will be there. Um so yeah, I think 
that is all the players that I profiled in my article for BucksBanter.ca. Um, some receivers, some run, a couple running backs, some edge rushers, and an interior offensive lineman. I think um, it could be someone else. Who knows? That's the beauty of the position the Bucks are in currently in this draft. I mean, again, I wrote about it, but every GM wants to have the 32nd pick because that means they they won the damn ship, and that's the position Jason Light and the Buccaneers are sitting in right now, and they can watch the whole first round play out. They could move back. I mean, if they loved a the guy, they could move up. I, I expect that to be highly improbable. I think I could totally see see them moving back to acquire some extra picks. Be amazing if they could scoop an extra third or even a second. Who knows? Um, and just kind of accumulate some additional assets. You know, the old Jimmy Johnson philosophy in Dallas said he wasn't smarter than anyone else, so he figured it made sense to uh, give himself as many ch- many chances as he could at selecting a good player. So. Uh, yeah, so those are the players uh, who, who really jump out at me in terms of being potential guys who uh, Jason Light and his staff could have his eyes on, their eyes on. We will see come Thursday night. I'm really excited. We're going to do uh, tomorrow, I'm going to record an episode with a guest, secret guest. Not a secret, but I'm not going to unveil who my guest is just yet. Um, and we're going to, uh, I'm going to unveil my mock draft tomorrow. Almost done. Just doing one. One mock draft, no 1.0, 2.0, none of that shit. Just one one mock draft a couple days before. And uh, my guest is going to – we're going to go through it, and he's going to help uh, poke some holes in it. We're just going to uh, chop it up and talk about the prospects and the teams and what they might be thinking. It's a really interesting draft, uh, but I'm not even going to get into it right now. I'm going to save all that juicy content for tomorrow. Uh, so for now, I just want to say thank you for listening. This was officially the first Bucks Banter podcast episode. Uh, we'll be live, or sorry, we'll be uh, posting this to our YouTube channel as well, which is also Bucks Banter. And make sure you follow us on Twitter at Bucks Banter. Uh, again, I'm Colin Hallboom. Pleasure, and I hope to uh, I hope to have your attention again for future episodes. Stay tuned.